Welcome to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. Through this podcast series, you'll become educated on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and gain practical knowledge on how to apply what you learn in daily life. Listen and learn about each of the 30 articles and actions you can take to help promote and protect these human rights for yourself and others. Here's your host, United for Human Rights Ambassador and President's Volunteer Service Award recipient, Ellen Firestone. Hi, everyone. Today, we are fortunate to have with us Harold Souza, survivor of labor trafficking and debt bondage, a freedom fighter who is using his story to help others and to help us help others. Hi, Harold. Thanks so much for talking with us today and sharing your story. You are quite an inspiration for the world. I think our listeners are going to be amazed at what you're going to share with us. Thank you very much, Alan. I really appreciate your humble words. Well, thank you. Can you start just with a, a brief intro about yourself? Oh, <laughs> a brief intro, like I always uh, tell three things uh, about myself. My name is uh, Harold Souza. I am a survivor of labor trafficking and debt bondage in the United States of America. Uh, originally, I am from uh, India, but I just tell three things about myself. Number one, I am a common man. Number two, I'm a failure, and number three, I'm a sinner. And I think during this uh, uh, podcast, you will analyze that whatever I said, you know, is justified, because I'm not just trying to say, but I'm just trying to be very, very transparent that what mistakes or failures and sins I did in my life, which I do not want any other member or community members to go through what I want, I went through in my life. So I always believe like uh, prevention is better than cure. It's better to be safe than sorry. My goodness. So thank you. <laughs> yes, I totally understand. But your, your story, I think people are going to see what an amazing, amazing person you are. So, you know, I, it seems you had a, an executive position in India. Is that correct? Yeah, very true. See, Alan, I'm, uh, I mean, my father like uh, went through a lot of hardship because uh, grew up in a village where there was no running water or electricity. Education was last in the least, so they had to first do agriculture, do all the, uh, take care of the cattle, and if there is time, they had to go walking five miles. And my dad has shown me, like, they had to go through all the forest or jungle. So I think he better just done till eighth grade. But in our case, he, he gave us education. And he, so basically, I have done a master's in marketing management. Oh, wow. I did my post-graduation diploma in uh, human resource development, that's called HRD back in India uh-huh. and that I did my bachelor's in law in labor law wow so it was only for two years I did practice I didn't do my specialization but that was my it became more like a passion and when I say that in my earlier uh, when I said that I'm a failure uh, Alan <laughs> to be honest right from third grade to tenth grade I failed in all the subjects <laughs> I used to fail in all the subjects <laughs> oh my goodness and yeah, so but then afterwards I clicked. I never got first class in my life. I always was, I was getting second class. That's like anywhere from 55% to 59.7. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I tried a lot. Uh-huh. So I tell my kids also, come on, like failure is the path to success. Wow. You should never quit. You know, you should never quit. But That's... you should keep on trying and giving your best. So edu- I want to say that one thing, uh, Alan, before I end, is that I was holding a good position in India. That's right. But uh, my father is to always tell me, Harold, people should respect you not your chair correct yes so, so true. that's always that has stuck to my head all the time mm-hmm. and 
I just want to share with all the viewers, you know, globally that, you know, how you can create your future. Many times people say, oh, I cannot predict my future. I said, yes, but you can create your own future. And that can be done with just three things. Like, you know, I always tell that desire will not change anything. Decision will change something, but determination will change everything. Wow. Very true. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So, you know, given all all you did with your education and the positions you had there, you were still searching for something or hoping to achieve something in the United States. What was it that made you want to come to the U.S.? You know, Alan, I'll be very honest. I had no plans to come to the United States of America. It was like in, in, in India, it's every person's dream that is like going to Swark, they say. Swark means heaven or paradise. Uh-huh. And it is a truth today every Indian has a burning desire to come to the United States of America so I met my perpetrator in Bombay for the first time and that is where he invited me and that is how I had had no clue but he gave me such a rosy picture and he was shopping when I say shopping means he was looking out for individuals and I think they were not getting the visa which I had no idea see I I was manipulated tricked and trapped and I fell for it uh-huh. And most of these perpetrators globally or within the United States of America, they know the psychology or they are one step ahead of the law enforcement agencies and they know the entire mindset of the victim. Like, see, my, my culture is different. I am from India. So, mine is an arranged marriage. Uh-huh. Okay, so when I, I got married on four things, on a trust, on a promise, uh, on, a, on a commitment. And uh, so I came to the U.S. also on four things. I came on a trust. I came on a promise. I came to live my Ameri- I came to live my uh, Ameri- American dream with them. Oh my God! And but what happened? And I came on a faith. But little did I know when I landed, it was it was a different situation. Yeah, that that's. And I came on a seventy five thousand dollar salary. Wow. On an H one B visa. Mm-hmm. So that's a I came I came to the United States of America legally on an H one B visa, uh-huh. which is a work visa. And at that particular time, I didn't know anything. This I'm talking of two thousand three. Uh-huh. I was so super excited. So I just didn't know what was an H-1B visa, what is an H-4 dependent visa. So my wife and my kid were on an H-4 dependent visa and my wife was not supposed to work and he made her work. So oh it's, it's a very long story. Right? Like this is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Uh, which I'm just trying to share. So I tell, I just want to create education uh, to all the community members. You know, like if you're coming on a C-1D visa from India, that visa can never be corrected. Uh-huh. You have to just go on the ship. So people are not aware. And if you're coming on a B1, B2 visa, that's a visit visa. So you can come here to the United States of America and stay for maximum six months, but go back. People will, will tell you, you know, come on, stay back. I'll get your visa corrected. You know, I'll, I'll get you a green card or a permanent residency card. No, they're just manipulating you because they want labor. Wow. So I tell people, please, yeah, don't fall a trap. Now they'll, or they'll say, okay, I'll get you into a contract marriage. You will not believe. So, oh so I tell them, these are all shortcuts, but they end up in, in a lot of problems. Oh my thank goodness. you. Yes, thank you, Harold. You know, I, I I have told you, you know, as an American, it's it's appalling to think that someone was coming to this country in hopes of freedom and you know excitement of the American dream, and and that it ended up basically in slavery. You know, not at all what our country is about. You know, definitely want to help put the word out, make people aware of what's happening, so that that does not happen. And you you had mentioned how you know human beings are lured into this; they're manipulated uh, because 
you know, a person's not going to just jump in, you know, oh, yeah, please sign me up, right? So the words that came to me after just briefly hearing your story are tremendous strength and courage, you know, strength and courage. It's difficult for me to imagine. How how did you and your family survive those years? What what inspired you to keep going each day? It was very difficult. I was almost like running like a rat and my perpetrator was trying to like kill me. And he hired a hitman to literally like shoot or kill me. So there was a lot of things that transpired in my life. And one fine day, you know, when he hired a guy to shoot me or hired a guy to kill me and he shot, it is then when the entire the fear of death went out from my mind, body and soul. Then I realized, so oh, come on, everybody has to die. You know, I have to die one day, whether it is President Donald Trump, you take anybody, celebrities in the world, including me, my kids. We are, we got a permanent visa, not in permanent visa, we just got a transit visa on this planet by God for 36,000 days. That I always believe is like 100 years. I am not going to live for 100 years. If I live for another 10,000 days on this planet and I can do something for the community, that's like 27 years, 4 months. Mm -hmm. So I just, so that entire perception changed me. And I tell you one thing that really transformed me or changed me is that, uh, Alan, that one fine day in the afternoon, I was talking to my wife, you know, like before the, like, you know, I, I think I'm not going to live. I'm going to die because my perpetrator told me and it was, it was, it was, I could see it like, you know, I'm going to die. Like I had, I had surrendered. Like I could see it because I didn't know anything. I didn't know the law enforcement agency. I didn't know the people. I didn't know how this country operates. But can you believe that my younger son, Rohan, was playing on the floor, on the carpet at the corner facing the wall. And here, like almost 10 feet away, my wife and myself, we are discussing. I'm telling her like, you know, in a very, like in a very depressed way that, you know, I'm not going to live. I think I'm, I'll, 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 I'm going to die. My younger son, Rohan, comes and taps me on the back and I look behind and he tells me, Dadu, if you die, what happens to me? Who will take, who will take care of my schooling? So it was like God talking to me, Alan. Oh my it, it really, like yeah. today, I get those vibes. Uh-huh. in my entire mind, body and soul, like, you know, like my son, like, and I looked into his eyes and like, you know, I didn't say anything. I was like, I just, I, I don't know, I, I didn't know, but, but that end today, like, you know, that is something that told me, man, you know, if I die, Rohan dies. If I die, my wife dies. If I die, my older son, Brady dies. So that, so there's a lot of stuff of that nature that inspired me, like God telling me, Harold, come on, you've got to live. You need, you need to stand up. You need to rise to the occasion. Wow. You need to be the voice courage, hope and freedom for all the victims. Wow. And that is what kept me going. I'll be very honest, like it was only my kids that kept me going. Even today, Alan, if you don't believe me, when I get up in the morning, every breath I take even today, in front of my eyes, I always see my two sons, Bradley and Rowan. Mm-hmm. I, I could see what happened to me. I could see that that will happen to them. Right. They'll get exploited. They'll be become victims of uh, human trafficking. And that kept me that kept me like uh, running. I used to work 16 hours a day. But mm-hmm. that too, but I was so like, I was working for Cincinnati Children's Hospital, but I could not. The moment I ended, I took a thing. I used to sleep only for two hours or three hours. But then I used to keep running. I could not stop. Right. <laughs> but today, I'm happily, I'm really, I totally like, you know, like, I uh, when I said that, you know, like, I failed on four Ps. I failed as a parent. I failed as a provider. I failed as a protector. And I failed as a person. But those four Ps got transfer, uh, transformed into passion, yes. purpose, prosperity, and power. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. So, Harold, after speaking with you, you know, I, I heard, I perceived a person with tremendous strength, humility, kindness, hope, and, you know, this willingness to help others. How how did you overcome the invitation to hate? I realized one thing that if I had to be happy, I always tell in my presentation, and I always believe in practicing and not preaching. So mm-hmm. now I talk about what my kids are doing because, you know, I've been here for almost like 18 years. Uh, I came in 2003. So I always believe that, you know, like like uh, one day that what Mother Teresa always said, you know, do not waste time judging people. Just love them. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, why should I judge? And then I realized that I had to, for, I had, I had to forgive my perpetrator. You know, it's difficult to forget, but I got to forgive. I said, no, it is due to his blessing. I take it in a positive way that I got to stay in the United States of America. I got to go to the White House. I'm helping people. So as this, whatever happens in your life happens for a reason. So there is no point in cribbing what happened. And I think it, that is the only thing that if you want to be happy, you got to reconcile. And I said, you know, God forgives. Everybody forgives. So who am I? I'm just a human being. And I'm trying to tr- uh, change the mindset of Ian of all the perpetrators. Everybody, when they're born, I think are good human beings. But I don't know what transforms them or what changes their mind in a negative way. So it is to always change their mind, their thinking. And I am trying to educate in the, the vulnerable population. You know, like everything is possible. In my presentation, whenever I do globally, I just tell four things. It does not cost you one penny. Mm-hmm. I said, number one, be happy. Number two, be thankful. Number three, be empowered. And number four, believe in yourself. Right. And everything will fall in place. I always tell that suicide or silence is not a solution, is not an option, or is not a choice. Exactly. So, yeah, so you, you, we had we to, to like stand up and rise to the occasion. Then I give my own example. I said, if I can do it, you can definitely do it. Mm-hmm. I had so many hurdles in my life. But now, and every day, like, you know, and today we are all very happy. Thanks to all the Americans. I'll be very honest, Alan. Uh-huh. Individuals like you helped me so much. The law enforcement agencies, and they were so humble. They were so kind. They were so caring. They were so loving. They were so compassionate. Mm-hmm. and I have no words and so that is the thing that has really touched my heart and that is why I just want to give back like there are so many people whom I didn't know Americans they stopped on the road let's speak give me some money you know how can I forget wow I think that money is money every penny that you have earned you know is, is not a free money I respect it mm-hmm. just because you are helping me by giving me ten dollars that ten dollars is like a big blessing and that is the way I look at it mm-hmm. Like I remember my father telling me, also I tell you, I always about my father because he's an inspiration for me. And my father used to tell me, Harold, one person's meal, four people can eat. But four person's meal, one person cannot eat. Yes. And that is what happened in our life, in reality. Wow. <laughs> yeah, oh because God. we had no food in the house. Right. So if my son will go for some birthday party, he'll get a piece of pizza. And he knew. I could not have, I could not even afford 25 cents for that vending machine for in that, you know, when you go to Kroger to get a candy. Uh-huh. So, you know, these are, there are a lot of things that really like transformed and then I realized that, you know, come on, like what, I cannot change the past, but I can change the present and future. Mm-hmm. And that is what like, you know, I, I decided to live a happy life and today we are, and we are living a good life like my wife and my two sons and uh, in the community. I think always charity, love, happiness begins from the house. Yes. I'm happily married for uh, almost like 27 years. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and both my sons are doing good. So basically, we are like friends in the in the house, you know, like my, uh-huh. both my sons. Oh we my are, gosh. We are, like, we are like friends. And another thing I want to tell you is that you need to look, listen, learn, live, love and laugh with all the victims. And when I say most important, I should say you should do all this with your own family, first with your kids and your wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's how then things transform. Like my older son or uh, Brandy and Rowan, they managed the finance for the last 10 years or more. Uh-huh. I'm financially retired. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so That's great. My, my goal is to, like, you know, age is just a number. You are and right. My goal is to <laughs> teach them value, character, education. You know, my job is that. And how to have, how to manage finance, financial aptitude. Mm-hmm. And financial aptitude is very important. And how to even do charity, help people. Right, right. 
Well, that's wonderful, Harold. Thank you so much. Um, you know, one of the, the purposes of this podcast series was to make people aware of their human rights. You know, there is this Universal Declaration of Human Rights that the, the UN adopted back in 1948. However, many people still do not even know about it. Article 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states, no one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms. I mean, this human rights violation is, is still, you know, fairly unknown and hidden. Although there are, you know, more great organizations out there like yours and doing things like what you're doing, make, you know, make, raising awareness and obtaining justice, you know, for, for all human beings. But how, how can we do more? What, what do you think we can do? Because I think there is a key here of obtaining justice. If there was more justice, maybe we'd be eliminating or reducing this this violation, you know, horrible crime. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, no no perpetrator, no trafficking. I think this is like, uh, it's a very uh, colossal task and this can be done with the teamwork. I always say the teamwork makes the dream work. It's not like just me alone or the law enforcement agency or we leave it to the government or they have to do it. Every, like what you're doing today, Alan, is the best the podcast mm -hmm. is that creating education you know so education is the key and this has to be done with all the community members so every community member should be aware of this that, oh that human labor trafficking or sex trafficking does happen in the united states of america so when they listen to the podcast of yours and many times i'll give common uh for example when my story came on the news the U.S. So many people from the parish and from my workplace. I thought I lost my job because it's a stigma. The yeah. thing is that many people or victims are not coming out and sharing, especially in human labor trafficking, thinking they'll not get justice. Because perpetrators use four words, especially to foreign immigrants or foreign nationals in the United States of America. Number one, they'll say, "I'll get you arrested." Number two, "I'll get you handcuffed." When and when they use the word handcuffed, they show it. They put their hands behind and show. Oh, do you want to get handcuffed? Number three, I'll get you jailed. And number four, I'll get you deported. Mm -hmm. And no foreign national or immigrant would like to hear this word. Because everybody is a good human being. So there are, if you see the percentage of human labor trafficking and especially male victims, you'll hardly find anyone coming out and sharing or talking. Because it's a stigma. It's a shame. Right. And they do not have the courage. And that's, I've, I've been across so many places. I've done so many times presentation in a group and I see around there are all girls. I'm the only guy there. Wow. So I'm trying to encourage people that even guys that come on out and talk and share your story. So then community members should be aware. So for a small example, like after listening to your podcast, somebody goes where uh, labor trafficking happens in the United States of America. I can see four places. Number one, at restaurants. Number two, at gas stations. Number three, at convenience stores. Number four, at motels. And it does happen at other places also, at warehouses, at liquor store, at agriculture farming. But... Now, when anybody listens to this podcast and they go to a restaurant, at times people say, oh, it is invisible. It is visible. You talk to the server, you know, mm -hmm. and especially I'm talking to restaurants, which are Asian restaurants. And I was in Washington, D.C. and I was telling someone, delegate, and both the, no, Ireland, I go to this Indian restaurant, I talk to this girl, and, and I said, this, these people who are there, they never get the tips. Both the what? Both the always they leave tips, but I said, they'll not get it, because she put on the credit card. So she went, I think after two, every week, I think every alternate week she used to go. So she went to the restaurant, she started talking, conversing with that girl, who used to always serve her. And then she asked her, and she said, yeah, we don't get the tips. And she called me oh, <laughs> the same okay. day, both the Ireland, what is it is true, I couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so... You know, but then, then I said, yeah, I said, if you have to give tips, you maybe you'll have to put something on the credit card, like $2, and mm -hmm. you'll have to give it in her hand cash, so that nobody sees, or that the entire money goes to the owner, the trafficker. Oh, wow. So, this, this, so these are small things. 
where you know whenever you go you don't expect or you don't think you know like oh this happens in the US yes exactly but this is but this is but these are all realities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know you, you're you're really you really hit on something there because you know I, I've been doing this um, human rights education for many years, and one time I was talking to a family member about human trafficking, and the response was, well, that doesn't happen in, in our country. I was like, oh, boy. Uh, yes, it does, you know? And it's like, but it's it's people are so, you know, not aware, and they're, they're not looking around. And, you know, I really, um, you know, I was impressed by the name of your organization, Eyes Open International. So what, Harold, does your organization most need to continue your wonderful work with even greater orders of magnitude required to like go for totally eliminating this horrific human rights violation. Yeah, I had no plans. It was like a, a dream come true or it was God's blessing that we opened the eyes open in Rachel. <laughs> One of a, a nice American friend like you, she inspired me to start and this name was <laughs> decided by my son Rohan. Uh-huh. We all sat as a family. We are brainstorming and he said, came out. We came with a lot of names and then he came with eyes open. Like, you know, then, okay, then we added international. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Because> uh-huh. I, <laughs> but I don't, I'm just like, how it took its, uh, it took its birth. And I was doing a lot of presentations, Alan, across. And then I realized that when I do a presentation, uh, it was only like 100 people, 500 people, 600 people, maximum 1,000 people. But I said, if I had to reach people globally, I understood I did a lot of research on human labor trafficking in the United States of America. It's like this. You're at Niagara Falls, Alan, and then you see two kids drowning. So you go and save them to the two kids from getting drowned. And then you see me walking across and you say, hey, Harold, Harold, come here. I need your help because there are another two kids who are drowned. So we save another two kids. And then there are another two kids. So totally we save six kids. And then I run away from there. And then you get mad at me and you call me, Harold, come here, here, I need your help. I said, no, Alan, I want you to take care of the six kids, but I want to go and see who's drowning them. Right. So, in in all honesty, with all due respect, America is the destination. And India, Mexico, Nepal, so many other countries are the source. Mm-hmm. So, you got to stop at the source. Otherwise, in this country, United States of America, especially for human labor trafficking, lifelong will be keeping on saving or rescuing victims. But we have to create education back in our own country and tell people, please do not come to the United States of America illegally. They're paying agent. I'll give a small example. One lady paid $74,000 in the year 2019. Wow. You know, and that is 53 lakhs. 53 lakhs is like you know, 5.3 million rupees. With that money, you can live a very lavish life in India. But that lady got deported after five and a half months from Mexico. She was caught. And she didn't know. But she, she tells today that never, ever I will go to the United States of America. That's again like undocumented or illegal paying the agent. She saw dead bodies in the jungle and skeletons. It's a fact. These are, the, these are all real facts. Wow. See, I have worked with more than 100 victims. So many Mexicans, Indians, Guatemala. There are people, they come through border. Well, the Harold, how did you come? I said, by flight. I said, how do you come? Right. They said, we came through the jungle. I said, what? They have eaten. They didn't get food. So they ate grass. Oh, my god. They ate leaves. They were so thirsty, they drank their own urine. Ugh. But this is these are the facts. I know it's, but, but right. this is, we have to accept the reality. Number one. Yeah. Number two out of ten, only one makes it. Wow. Yeah, there are so many people who, who die in the jungle or they get they get caught. That's a reality. Uh-huh. And then when they say, yeah, what a mistake I did, I should not come. But they're already into huge debts. Uh-huh. So we have to go back and understand we have to be trauma informed. Like what? That's the reason I started Eyes Open International. So Eyes Open International is focused on four things. It's on education, prevention, protection, 
and empowerment of victims, survivors, vulnerable population and community members globally. Mm -hmm. So we, we give all resources like the hotline number. What do we do? I tell people, okay, you have to come to the United States of America, come educated, come with the eyes open. You know, have the, save the numbers. We, on the phone, we'll save numbers of our friends, restaurants or other things. I said, save the number of national human trafficking hotline number. Mm -hmm. And that's one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. So that's the national human trafficking hotline number in the United States of America. You can here make, make a call today after my podcast and they will guide you. They, they're talking 200 languages. Wow. And they're there to help you, not to not to prosecute you. Mm -hmm. You call with any situation. And if it's a very desired emergency, call 911. They're not going to prosecute you. I tell all the victims of human labor trafficking and even sex trafficking, but especially human labor trafficking. You call 911. If it's a very emergency, they're not going to prosecute you. But the perpetrators, like, they mind wash you, like, you know, your mind. And that's what I was very scared of the police. I'll be giving my own example. Mm -hmm. And other thing, Alan, mm -hmm. in human labor trafficking, especially in the United States of America, whether you go to San Diego, New York, anywhere in, anywhere in the U.S., they do not call you by name. There's only one nickname. In sex trafficking, there are a lot of nicknames. But in labor trafficking, there's only one nickname. They'll call you illegal. Oh, my goodness. They'll not call you by name. They'll not call you Harold, come here. They'll say illegal, come here. So, you know what happened to me? <laughs> That when they call you illegal, you think you're a criminal. Right. How how, how smart these people are. Oh. And then, they, then you think, oh my God, I'm, uh, so they remind them again of the four words. I'll get you arrested, I'll get you handcuffed, I'll get you jailed, I'll get you deported. And nobody wants to hear that. And I'll tell you how this changed in my life. When my case went to the FBI, and then I was told that I did mental counseling therapy. I was like, I said, see, they know better than me. I was like so upset. I said, I like, it was a foreign concept for me. Uh -huh. so I said, no, I'm not mentally sick. But uh -huh. anyway, I went, I had no choice. So I went for counseling. So after six months, my service, pro uh, this counselor, that lady, he was telling me, Harold, I've been seeing you, coming and seeing me for the last six months. Every time you say that I'm illegal, I'm illegal. She used one word, one word, Alan, and that changed my life. She said, Harold, you are undocumented. And I said, oh my God. And up till now, I was thinking I was a criminal. Oh my goodness. I said, yeah, daughter, like, you know, I had, I had documentations when I came, but my perpetrator, he cancelled everything which I didn't know. So uh -huh. I was undocumented. Uh -huh. But that changed my thinking, Alan. So I said, wow, why am I running away? Wow. <laughs> so that, that fear of being a criminal went out of my mind, body and soul in one second. Right. Yes, you were not the criminal. Oh yeah, so that's why I tell people, like, whenever you meet somebody and you think that at the gas station, convenience stores, restaurants, hotels, call them by their name. They feel so good and that is how they will start opening up. Mm -hmm. First thing is to call them by their name. And I respect COVID right now, but always give a shake hand, give them a hug because victims are so starving of love and affection because they have been abused so much, you know, that it's, I don't know how to tell you, like, they abuse so much. At times, like, being abused verbally hits you more than being abused physically. Mm -hmm. It sticks with you lifelong. Right. I always tell that trauma has no expiration date. Mm -hmm. And I want to give a small example. How a victim or a survivor many times cannot come out of the situation. Out of 10, 8 do not come out. They get triggered again. I'll tell in my particular case, you know, my perpetrator took a full hand. You know, he's a man. Mm -hmm. And he slapped my son in front of me. Oh my gosh. And for what? He didn't do any, he didn't do any, uh, didn't do any crime. He didn't do anything wrong. You, even if your son or your daughter, or if anybody else's son and daughter, even if he or she does something wrong, or something, you know, hanky-panky, you discipline them. But when a child has not done anything, has not done anything, but just to teach me a lesson, and to break my morale, and my self-esteem, you do that, and what did I do? Nothing. So I always tell, that when you see your own child being slapped, 
he'll cry. My son cried for what? 120 seconds or 108? That is three minutes or four minutes. Mm -hmm. But the child forgets. But you have to understand, for a far dad like me, it has stuck to my heart. Till yeah. I go to the graveyard. Yes. You know, it sticks. But it's very easy to say, you know, like, but there are certain things I don't share. But I just want the audience to understand that what happens and how they can love and respect, regard and recognize and help and empower these survivors. Right. Because trauma is my expiration date. So there are a lot of such factors that happen in a victim's life. And that, that is, that, that is, and it's not only one time. See, it is in and out every day, mm -hmm. every week, every mm -hmm. month. You know, it keep, keeps going. So that really affects you a lot. And that's the reason, like, many times I tell you, you know, like this, many times the victims or survivors that try to commit suicide, which oh. is not right. No. Wow. But look, I can't, I can't even imagine what you and your family lived through, but what has come of it, the way you are helping people is amazing. And I mean, really, we are here to help each other. And you, you are demonstrating, you know, what we really all should be aiming for, you know, to, to help each other, you know, live a, live a better life, build a much better world. Harold, thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd, you'd like to communicate? Anything you want to share before we end? No, nothing. I just want to tell all my friends and I want to thank you also for uh, uh, trying to create awareness. You know, like I always tell that, you know, engage, uh, encourage, uh, empower and employ survivors, you know, because they are, they are good people. Uh, you need to empower them. And I tell you that one thing that once you empower one survivor, they'll give back to the community. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not talking about my own experience. I've seen so many uh, victims and survivors. I've worked with them, whether they're from Mexico. And during this pandemic, the perpetrators have become more aggressive. Wow. I'm talking in the United States of America. And I get so many calls. I run groceries to these people. I try to bridge the gap of uh, their rent. I take them for the medical checkups at, uh, because they do not have transportation. So I, I drive them to the for the uh, dental or for the vision because they, are, they do not have medical insurance over there. So there are ways and means that you can always help people, you know, in, in your daily life. It is like just smiling to somebody or something you have. Why don't you just, you know, share a, your piece of bread or a pizza or a burger with somebody? I, I always do that. Just last week I ran bread and I gave to some eight uh, immigrant families and to some eight uh, inmate families, somebody on the streets and then to the shelter home. So it just gives you joy. It gives you happiness. So it's just a humble request to all my like friends, you know, like if you see something, you do not have to get involved with the victim or with the perpetrator. If you go to a gas station or to a restaurant and you and you find in little doubt that I think, oh, he or she is a victim of human trafficking or labor trafficking, just call the hotline number. I said that one eight 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 three seven three seven eight 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 and they will take care of it and it is they'll check up you know so there are ways and means of helping people and i just want to thank you like you know always i would like just to end on two notes that number one is that do not tell god how big the storm is in your life but tell the storm how big the god is in your life and yeah. that is how it, it i i changed uh -huh. you know and number two i always tell you know like is that making a mistake is not a mistake. I made a mistake. You know, so making a mistake is not a mistake. Making no mistake is a mistake. Repeating a mistake is a big mistake. But learning from your mistake and helping people like what I'm trying to do, you know, to live a happy life is not at all a mistake. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harold, for, for all of that and for, for all you're doing to help in such a big way. I'm so happy we met and uh, looking forward to continuing this friendship. Yeah, thank you very much, Alan. <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting you personally. I really appreciate and thank you all the viewers within the U.S. and globally for uh, always helping the victims and survivors and uh, doing good work for the community. Thank you very much. God bless America. Thanks, Harold. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
What an amazing human rights hero. To learn more about Harold and his organization, check out eyesopeninternational.org. To learn your 30 human rights, visit humanrights.com. We are here to help each other. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. To learn more, visit thefirestone.org.